This CityWire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs to electric vehicles to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. As with any investment, capital is at risk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Advice Show. From advising clients to practice management, this podcast will give you UK and global insights into the financial planning profession. I'm Chloe, a reporter at New Model Advisor, and today we are talking about subscription-based financial planning and how to make advice more accessible. Um, And to talk about this, I am joined by Chanel Pattinson. Chanel is a chartered financial planner, a podcaster, and the co-founder of Money Means, which is a subscription-based flexible advice service that is aimed at a younger generation of clients. Um, So Chanel, thanks so much for being here and for talking to me about this today. Um, How are you doing? Yes, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Good. I'm very excited to be talking about this today. Um, So to start off, um, can you um, begin by introducing yourself a little bit about your career and um, how you co-founded Money Means, how it kind of came together? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you mentioned, I'm a charter financial planner, which still I feel like I I love to always say it because it was such a hard slog getting through those exams that yeah I'm super happy to finally be able to say it um so a chartered financial planner um my dad is a financial planner has been my whole life so that's how I got into the industry um it took me a little while to actually realize it is what I wanted to do dad was going on for quite a long time that I should give it a go and I wasn't too sure but eventually I did um, and I thought you know what this is really interesting And I actually really enjoyed doing the exams and becoming a financial planner. Um, And what then happened is I was working for my dad, um, who is a very traditional financial planner. Um, His clients, his practice is all very traditional clients on average, kind of 60-ish, like that kind of age, planning for retirement, inheritance tax planning, all of those sorts of things that the majority of financial planning firms do. Um, I worked in many other firms before I worked with dad, and they all had a very similar clientele um but what happened was i started to put myself on social media and online and and talk on podcasts um and i suppose i was accidentally talking to a different audience um about what i do and how i do it and and talking all things finance in probably a different way that a lot of people had heard before um and i started to attract younger clients um and i'm always like keen to caveat i'm not talking like super young i'm just talking like younger than the the typical financial planning client um so i started to attract these clients and i was kind of like why isn't like nobody really working with the these clients like why is nobody targeting them creating a a company that wants to work with them and all of these sorts of things and I was speaking to them and and realizing and it was kind of like my age my friends like that that kind of demographic and I was like do you know what like financial planning can really help them and make such a huge difference and actually starting early like is amazing you can make such a difference to somebody's life going forward when it comes to money and getting financial planning early and so I kind of got obsessed with this idea of okay what does this generation actually want because I knew they wanted something different to what the traditional advice model looked like um, in many different ways and um, I did some research on that which we we can talk about separately um, but I really started digging deep into what they wanted Um, 
so I got super obsessed with this idea about financial planning for the next generation and, and what they wanted and how they wanted it. And I started thinking about how I was going to do it and, and building a business plan. And I am. Um, I then spoke at a conference um, all about what the next generation wanted. Um, and Helena Wardle, um, the founder of Money Means, was actually in the audience. Um, and she grabbed me afterwards. And we sat down and started chatting. And she was like, "This is really weird. Like, Money Means is exactly what you're talking about. Like everything you've just said. Like that. Like that is what I'm building." And um, I'm sure you know that. Like, it's not a conversation that's often had in the industry. Like, this is quite a new and different idea. So often when I'd be telling people my idea they'd be like "Mm, that's a bit different not sure if that's going to work but Helen was like oh my god this is what I'm doing too like this is we are both so in the same mindset of what we're building and she said you want to do it together basically so at that point we came together I became a a co-founder of Money Means and and basically started putting into practice everything that I'd be learning and building in, in the months prior so yeah it's been super exciting. Yeah, that's great. So can you talk a bit more about as well the the sort of business model of Money Means? There's a robo side of it and there's the hybrid side. Can you um, tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. So um, when I was thinking about it and researching it um, and talking to people, they'd be like, oh, that generation, they just want tech they don't want people and I was like I completely disagree like Mm -hmm. just because it's a younger generation I think it doesn't mean we don't want human and actually when it comes to things like money which is incredibly emotional and you need support actually that you really do need a human then it doesn't matter how old you are like you still need a conversation with a human being so uh, I knew and Helen knew as well that it couldn't be tech only there had to be a human part Mm of it um and there was lots of other things we we thought about and knew that were important, things like it needed to be a relatable brand. Um, one of the things that when I was researching was what do people want from financial planning, what they're looking for in a, in a company and what came up the most was relatability. And I think that's incredibly interesting because a lot of financial planning bands aren't relatable to the younger generation. They're just not, whether that's in the branding um, at the demographic of the advisors, like often they aren't relatable. Um, so we knew that was really important to feed into our our branding, our messaging, no jargon, keeping it simple, all of these sorts of things. Um, so that was super important. And then um, also then the subscription basis, um, again, going back to when I was thinking about working with this next generation, what I was finding was that these individuals, they often didn't have lump sums of money. They usually had obviously regular income. They may have some spare that they can invest or put in their pension, but they often didn't have lump sums of cash or investments. So if you were to do the traditional percentage fees, you wouldn't really make any money um, because they didn't have a lump sum. And at the end of the day, like it is expensive to run a financial planning business. Sometimes it's really expensive. So understandably, if you're not making any money from that client, it's, it's not great you have to be able to afford to run your business um so I just knew for the majority of this generation percentage wouldn't work um and of course there are more businesses now looking at fixed fees and, and doing fixed fees um and I just started thinking about subscription and in my head I was like this generation like we 
pay so many subscriptions like yeah. I guarantee like everybody I ask probably has at least five for different things yeah, it's just yeah. normal like to pay a subscription is completely normal to sign up for a subscription is completely normal like I very rarely second guess it and I I rarely pay for stuff now that isn't subscriptions if it's a service I often don't pay a lump sum I often pay a subscription so I was kind of like surely we could make that work and it took a lot of research and, and there's still a lot of things for us to to work out in terms of determining what we price at and things like that but I just felt that we could make this work with a subscription and, and that's also important where the tech comes in because things need to be smoother and easier to do um, and cost less in certain areas so we can do a subscription but I just think if we're going to access this this next generation of clients um and then there's a huge amount of individuals who can't who don't or can't get financial planning I think it's 90% of the UK so about at least 39 million adults I think it is go without financial planning that's huge like that figure is like absolutely massive and if you think about why aren't they getting financial planning like I think there's many reasons for that I think one of them for example is usually you need about fifty thousand pound in investment or cash or whatever to be able to access advice in the first place like I know Mm -hmm. if my friends rang around probably 10 financial planning firms many of them wouldn't give them the time of day like that that just just is a fact Um, Mm -hmm. and then that makes sense for that 90 percent sort of figure like that's why people can't get it and then I think the other part of it is a lot of people also don't feel like they can walk through the door of a financial planning firm like clients that I've worked with people I've spoken to have said like I would never walk into a financial planning firm that was like incredibly corporate like full of mm-hmm. older males that that is like that's a proven fact that is the demographic of advisors that like, they were like I just feel intimidated I don't feel comfortable I don't feel like it's for me to be able to walk through that door and sit down and get financial planning and if we want to be able to work with more individuals and provide more people financial planning like that needs to change yeah, absolutely. So the figure that you just mentioned, was it 39 million, did you say that I don't have? And it's people that 39 million people that need it, especially at this moment, right? Because we're in the context of a financial uh, crisis, cost of living crisis, and people are kind of really scared. And, you know, young people are even more um, vulnerable to this. So it's it's really kind of important gap in the market that's not really being addressed absolutely and what you mentioned about subscription as well I mean I think we're probably the same generation we're both in our 20s and it's true that you know everything that we do is subscription based I've never paid I never would refuse to pay a lump sum for anything because I just is the way that we work we just have monthly expenses kind of coming out right so it makes it makes complete sense so this um so money means the the primary sort of target market is um younger people right a younger generation of clients is there any other type of demographic that you um would want to kind of target as well not particularly I think for us it's important that we're able to help individuals that just haven't been able to access advice before whether that is because of the relatability access they don't feel like they could approach a firm or whether it's the sort of like lump sum of cash or they couldn't afford the the traditional fees or whatever it is we just want to make financial planning just generally more accessible we just think it's in incredibly important and as you touched on like the world we're in right now like it's really hard and like it it couldn't be a more perfect time for people to be able to get help and I think a lot of people they don't know where to go for for trusted 
advice and support and information and the internet's an amazing thing um but it's also incredibly overwhelming and like I've had so many conversations where people are like I've googled it and I'm just like it's just too much like they get so much information that they then actually don't know what to do so it's like yeah okay the internet is incredible but actually any generation often just wants someone to say okay this is this is your situation this is what you need to do this is what will make it better this is what will help you this is what will improve what's going on right now and everyone should be able to access that so um yeah that's that's what's important for us yeah, absolutely. I also wanted to ask, because we've talked about how um, this subscription-based model um, is, is good for, for clients, you know, it makes it more accessible, um, they can access financial planning without having all these assets. But what is the what are the advantages for the, for the advisor? Is it easier to make a, a profit through subscription-based? What kind of advantages does it carry for you specifically? I think there's absolutely no denying that there's obviously a reason why we've had percentage fees for such a long time that at the end of the day individuals can make a lot of money from a percentage Mm -hmm. fee like we we just can't that there's no denying that everybody knows that like if you on certain cases you take a percentage fee you can make a serious amount of money on that um and obviously subscription is is different to that um I think there's a bit of a misconception that individuals won't pay much for a subscription and I I don't believe that's true I've got friends I've done research that will pay sometimes up to hundreds of pounds for subscriptions for whether it's coaches or a gym in London or CrossFit or all of these nutritionists like all these different things I've I've done research and had so many conversations that show these individuals if they can see the value they will pay it so I think there's a bit, bit of a misconception around there um it depends what it depends on so many things it depends what you price it at how you how efficiently you can run your business um and it will be different for every firm um for us it obviously does come into the making it more accessible that is the most important thing to us um and tying into our target market and how they can access financial planning um but i personally think it's it's something that people should consider and think about and and often as well we mentioned fixed fees but often they are in the form of a subscription but they might not be worded as subscription yeah. but sometimes a client will pay a monthly fixed fee but like that is a subscription um so it probably is also happening more than people think it is um but I personally think it is it's something that people should definitely think about and consider because it does open you up to potentially new clients and, and different clients yeah absolutely um, we'll go back to talking a bit more about how firms um could kind of consider um this this model a bit later on but i just wanted to talk a bit more about the um about how to actually make advice more accessible kind of beyond those those fee structures um i know that you have a podcast um so i'm guessing that for you the the kind of education aspect of it and um you know talking about finance and talking about all of this is also an important aspect so yeah how do you think you can actually make finance more accessible yeah i think there's a few different things when it when it comes to that um the podcast bit for me so my podcast her future bright i basically started because when i joined the industry um and i attended events usually with my dad um i would be the only young woman in the room like regularly um often i'd be one of very few women anyway um but usually the only young woman um 
and it was really intimidating like if it wasn't for my dad like I would have left those conferences because I literally I, I would have done like I had somebody ask me once like if I was in the wrong place and I was like wow like yeah honestly I was like nope I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm at the right place um so uh, for me I was just like I could I could see why we weren't getting new people into the industry because if it wasn't for my dad I wouldn't be there um, so as time went on, I um, spoke to individuals, I got mentors, all of those sorts of things. Um, and I was having conversations with women in, in finance that were incredibly useful to me um, and motivating and inspiring. And I just thought to myself, like, I'd love to be able to share this and let other people hear the kind of inspiration and motivation and wisdom or whatever you want to call it that I was hearing um, to eventually have a a knock on effect to show how great this industry is and and get some new people into it and um build it as a, an industry profession or whatever you want to call it um so that's what i did with the podcast um and i still do so i interview um women in finance um and talk about their career um how they how they got to where they are what they've overcome what has been brilliant what they've enjoyed their top tips all of these sorts of things um because the other part of that is when i was um working in financial services and saying I wanted to be a financial planner I would often get told like you can't like you're a young woman like no one's gonna take you seriously mm-hmm. and I was like and now in hindsight I'm like that's so silly because I could have sat down with your client's children and talked to them and you could have looked at a succession plan for the business and ensured that the whole family are involved like I think it's really important and this ties into the relatability aspect of yeah the children are probably more likely to sit down with me than they are as a 62 year old man and I honestly don't mean that badly because like my dad is that 62 year old man like his clients absolutely love him and like he's brilliant at his job and I'm not saying they shouldn't be there but it was really beneficial for me to sit down with the children and get them involved like yeah it, it brings in that relatability aspect um and then that then ties into making advice more accessible because they feel like they can sit down with me and have a conversation um and that kind of stuff so that part's really important but also um the social media side of things where i've put myself online there and just shown that i'm a young female financial planner like it's just normalized it a bit and that there's definitely more individuals doing that i know we've spoken about it before there's there's far more individuals now on instagram and social media and tiktok um talking about how they're kind of like a young financial planner and um but it just normalizes it like people just see it and think well i could speak to them and have a conversation with them like they're, they're just like me like so i could sit down with them and i wouldn't feel intimidated or uncomfortable and i think if we keep doing stuff like that it will become more accessible. I do think there's quite a long way to go, don't get me wrong, but I do think we are heading in the right direction um, and it will make a difference because the more people that can get advice and support, it's just such a big part of our life, like money and finances, like it comes into everything, like yeah. your whole day when you think about it, like ties into money one way or another. Um, so to be able to get help and support with it, I just think incredibly important. Yeah, absolutely. I think that element of relatability is is so important. You know, if I was right now to try and find a financial advisor, I would obviously go to someone who's younger. I would probably go to a woman as well because there would be that kind of, you know, understanding of, you know, my my needs and, you know, what I want, et cetera, that you probably wouldn't get with um 
with you know an older even if it's a really good advisor you probably wouldn't get that kind of you know that sort of relatability so I think yeah it's it's very important so what who have you been interviewing then during, on your podcast what are some of the the highlights for you yeah no oh god I've had some amazing guests I was um incredibly lucky that my my first guest was um Ruth Hancock from um Octopus CEO mm-hmm. um that she just was incredible um so all all the guests have been amazing and they and what I try and do is also um get women from different parts of the finance industry especially um industries that aren't talked about that much and kind of for example investment managers like I think that's quite like undercover like when you ask somebody what an investment manager does they think of things like Wolf of Wall Street and it's kind of quite a blurred industry and they don't really know what it actually involves um so I've had a couple of um investment managers on and accountants and and financial planners and I just try and get a real range and they just provide some incredible insight into what they do and how they overcome things I think one part of it that I really love is you just get an insight into what they do and I think that's incredible for people coming into the industry that maybe are not quite sure on what path they're going to take yet or even if they want to change paths because there's so much movement in financial services that you can do because they actually all tie in so well um but also the bit that's kind of most impactful I think is when they talk about um their achievements and what they've overcome and then what advice they would kind of give to somebody starting in their career now like it amazes me it's silly really but like they all come out with something so amazing and so so different but I suppose that's because they've all had their own personal experiences and different situations and and I feel so lucky to be able to do the interviews because sometimes I forget that people even listen like I enjoy recording it so much and I take away so much that when I meet people and they're like oh, I've listened to the podcast I'm like oh that's weird have you, have you? <laughs> yeah it's like it's so crazy um but even if it means like the individual listening reaches out to the the person that's on the podcast and wants to have a chat and, and then they become a mentor like I just yeah. think it can make such a difference and it, it's similar to there's actually like so many amazing women in finance that before I when I started in the industry I felt like I couldn't find them and I felt like because LinkedIn wasn't such a thing I couldn't find these amazing women to speak to so I think just opening the door and it, again, it goes back to that relatability thing. Like, I will absolutely take advice and motivation into very inspiration of the amazing men that are in the industry as well. But yeah, yeah. it is also brilliant to listen to a woman that I can look up to and think, I can be like that in 10 years. Like, yeah. and especially like, imagine young women coming into the industry. Like, I just hope to think that they're listening, thinking the same thing. And it, I think it just all contributes to a, a positive future for financial services, really. Yeah, yeah, it's all about kind of demystifying this this industry that's kind of really intimidating when you're not when you're not in it at all. So yeah, yeah and it goes back again to making it accessible and kind of lifting the veil on, on the cogs of this like huge machine that not many people understand, right? Um, yeah. yeah, so just to to go back then to um to you know this whole thing of making advice more accessible and and the fee structure specifically, um within the the context of consumer duty i've been speaking i've been talking about consumer duty so much lately i feel like that's just the main topic of conversation um but you know it asks firms to kind of think about their fee structure as well and and ensure that you know it's transparent and and really understood by consumers 
do you think that as a result of consumer duty subscription-based financial planning will become a bit more popular because at the moment it's not really you know one of the main models used it's it's not it's definitely not i think over time we're seeing more fixed fees become more popular and i think consumer duty will probably push that and i think i do think it i'd like to think it will make a difference i think it will and i would really like to think it it will make a difference and potentially more individuals will at least consider fixed fees or subscription basis whatever you want to call it because at the end of the day it is all about value and what the client is getting for their for their fees that they're paying and that we've all seen that with the percentage models some may pay larger fees than others even though the costs and benefits of providing that service may actually be very similar um and that and that has happened with percentage fees and probably does happen quite a lot um, and i think with fixed fees and um subscriptions it is very transparent what they're paying and often it is put into groups of whether the complexity or whatever it is um so i think consumer duty will definitely push more companies into that direction i hope if anything it just makes them think what else they can do and if fixed fees or subscription is the right thing for them to do then amazing i do also think it's, it's a massive change that will be quite a big change to a lot of lot of firms to, to what they've done for a very long time yeah no absolutely yeah because you know i'm wondering you know can it work for for any firm, can it be sort of implemented in, in businesses that have had their fee structure forever? Is there that kind of willingness to, to change, do you think? Is there the willingness? Um, I, think there'll be, <laughs> I think there'll be a lot of firms that will be quite resistant to that change. Yeah. Um, from the experience that I've had personally and the conversations that I've had talking about subscription basis and fixed fees, I think for them in their eyes, percentage fees have worked for such a long time. And as we said before, they have made a lot of money. Like, and like looking at that change for them is probably quite difficult. Um, I think there will be some people in the industry that will see why this is so important because it is so important. But I do think there'll be individuals that ha will say the percentage fees have always worked and they will carry on using them because they have always worked. And it's the same with everything I've talked about, this sort of advice for the next generation. I've had many conversations where I've explained my thinking and my research and they said, well, what we've done has always worked. And it's like, yeah, it has. And like often it does work well. And I'm not saying you're not needed, like you're you have a fantastic business and you work with your clients well and I'm sure they have huge value but the world is moving forward and there is future clients that you need to think about and and your future and your business's future and if you want to work with them you're going to have to think a little bit differently and and think this is where it all comes in but for some individuals I think there's a lot of firms that are super old school and have been the same way for a really long time and they may not want to change and it may work for them yeah yeah i mean it's it's not because something works well that there's no space for innovation right but i mean you know there's also always be um more traditional businesses but then as long as there's opportunities for other businesses to arise and to kind of change the way that things have always been done then that's that's quite good but yeah um how do you hope then the industry will evolve with regards to reducing the advice gap I have so much hope and faith in the future of financial services. Like I love my job um, and I love the difference we make for clients and the, and the relief and like the, the difference you see in them. Um, and that's what spurred me on to, to want to be able to help more individuals. 
and I definitely like I said like I can see a change like more individuals are having this mindset of thinking about who they can help and and what the future might look like and and how they can do things differently and I think there'll be there'll be a lot of trial and error and like I think people will try things different ways and we'll all work out what works and what doesn't um but I think as long as we're moving forward like that's the most important thing I think we have quite a long way to go in many areas in financial services but I really especially in the last like sort of few years I feel like I definitely have seen a massive difference um and lots of individuals who want to make change for the better whether that's making advice more accessible or just in so many areas technology social media marketing how they how their clients pay their fees in in every way so I think that the future is exciting and I think there's lots of individuals out there who are in the industry and want to to make change and and uh, putting their heart and soul into making that change so I, I have high hopes really optimistic then and I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with um with money means and you know I'm sure that you'll keep me updated as to as to how it um evolves and develops but Chanel thanks so much for uh, being here and thanks everybody for listening um if you'd like to hear Chanel speak to women in finance about their work and their vision for the industry um you can head to wherever you listen to podcasts and type in her future bright um, and if you'd like to get in touch with us about this episode, uh, we're on Twitter at New Model Advisor, or you can get in touch with me directly if you so wish. Um, see, I'm C Melly, M E L E Y, at citywire.co.uk. Um, thanks again, everyone. Thank you, Chanel, and we will see you next week. This CityWire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs to electric vehicles to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. As with any investment, capital is at risk.